Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your host, Bridget Spackman. And Michelle Foray, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. You know, guys, I really like all of the episodes that we end up recording for you guys, but I feel like this is probably one of the ones that I am really, really excited about. Today, we're going to be sharing some strategies for simplifying back to school in order to help make your life easier, but also help you save some moolah. (laughs) Some dough, some green stuff. (laughs) But first, I'm going to share a TSH from Adelaide. I really hope I am pronouncing your name correctly, and I apologize if I'm not. Adelaide says her TSH is reorganizing my classroom. I love organization and decluttering, but sometimes it can be a problem. When I have planning time and after school, I reorganize my classroom. I am always buying bins and pocket charts, etc. Sometimes I am in a decluttering phase, and once I throw away all my lesson planning templates, ones that I had printed, two days before I had to turn in my required lesson plans to my admin. I definitely have a problem. Uh, We completely understand where you are coming from. I mean, it is so hard to really kind of refrain from buying all of the things in order to kind of help you organize. And I think that's one of the really big things that we're going to talk about in this episode too, is just that, you know, we don't really necessarily, I feel like we always buy stuff in hopes for it to solve a problem that we have when in reality, we don't need to buy the stuff to solve the problem. We just have to solve the problem by being um, a little bit more, we have to be on ourselves. What's that word that we're always talking about? Like tough love, having tough, tough love. It's tough love. It really is. So I know that during these back to school times, we oftentimes feel the pressure. It's like marketers really understand how to get into teachers' hearts and minds during these times, right? Like we see all the things. We see all the colorful bins as we're walking in through Target. We see all the wonderful little organizations, the sticky notes, the pens. Oh, the pens. There's so many things that I feel like we always have the need to purchase. And social media, of course, does not help because you see somebody's classroom and you're like, oh, I want my classroom to look like that. So now I need to go out and I need to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars in hopes to try to make my room look like that. But in reality, our room is good. Like our rooms are fine. We need to work with what we have. Yeah. And here's your reminder, if no one else has said this to you lately, you don't need to buy all of the things. Okay. Having less stuff means less clutter. Having less stuff means you're saving money and having less stuff means you're going to be more creative. So focus on the benefits of not buying the stuff (laughs) instead of buying it and hoping it's going to solve a problem. I loved when Bridget said that. I felt like that really nailed in on, you know, what we all need to hear sometimes, right? Like buying the stuff is not going to solve the problem. So we're going to jump into it. We have some kind of broad categories that we're going to cover, but some of the things that we're going to give you as strategies, you can apply to other areas of teaching. So, you know, be creative, think outside of the box, but let's start with manipulatives. Here's the issue. Manipulatives can be very expensive and we can get carried away. Yes, I am looking at you, Target erasers, okay? (laughs) I have a little story. I definitely fell into that trap that was on social media a few years ago where teachers were buying these mini erasers from Target that had different shapes and themes and you you had to buy all of them. And I bought all of them 
And then I realized, oh, (laughs) this is becoming really hard to organize. So I ended up going to Michael's and getting this container. It was double-sided. It had like rows and columns on each side and you would lift up the lid and you could organize the erasers in there. But I didn't pay close enough attention to it. And the organization like dividers didn't go all the way up to the top. They have like a little divot. So then the erasers started falling through to the other areas. So they got so disorganized. Bridget, you want to know what I did? Organization fail. (laughs) It was an organization fail. I ended up taking clear packaging tape and covering it over those divots in order to prevent the erasers from falling. So I, I went through all of this trouble and I never used the dang erasers. I was never. about to ask you if you would use those erasers. No. Now, honestly, I just give them to my students. Like they do the little thing. And I'm like, you get an eraser. You get an eraser. Because I just want to get rid of the things. Like I didn't use them for anything. And the reality is right now with a pandemic going on, that's a lot to be cleaning and sanitizing. So we're going to give you some ideas for how to really minimize the amount of money you're spending on manipulatives and how to get more creative with them. So I have to tell you guys a little bit of a story as Michelle kind of uh, finished up hers. Um, We talk about creativity and creativity with our students and how we can be a little bit more creative and realizing that a lot of the times we don't need to go out and buy the stuff. We can actually just Think about how we can make it a teachable moment instead of just buying more things that you then have to store and clean and all the stuff. So uh, back in February, I actually went to Jamaica with BBT Global. Um, It is a traveling company with teachers and you get to go and experience other classrooms all around the world, which is incredible. Um, And I went as one of their leaders. And so in February, when we went to Jamaica, I had the privilege of being able to go into one of the classrooms. And um, it was really interesting because they don't they don't have all of the things that we have. And it really kind of opened my mind. And it was like, you know what, I, I always think that I need to have everything. I need this. I need, I need to go out and buy another thing. When I'm seeing that these teachers here in Jamaica are teaching with nothing, like they're truly teaching with nothing. And you have about, you know, I would say like 40 kids that are crammed into this little bitty classroom. And all of these kids are like shoulder to shoulder because they're touching it. There's no space for them to really even move around, but they are so unbelievably creative with what they have. And so, um, one of the things that I really took away that was just so inspiring was that a little boy came up to me to show me his math toolkit. And all it is, it's, it's basically a shoebox um, that he had covered. And on the outside, he had written math toolkit. And when he opened it up, on the inside were a lot of different shapes and rulers and all of the things that you would use in math, but he had created them. These were things that he had, uh, he had drew onto a piece of paper and then pasted it onto cardboard and then cut it out just for durability purposes, but he had labeled each one of them. He added information for each of the things that he had inside of his toolkit. Um, and think about the learning that took place there. It was not something that we just handed to them because it was pretty and it was nice. And yes, I know we all love those things, but um, there's something so much more meaningful when a kid goes about making those resources. Uh, they, I think they really are able to truly process that information so much more. There's higher level thinking that takes place. And it was just a really beautiful thing. And it really made me realize that I don't need all the stuff. 
I can really create true, wonderful experiences by just having my students create them right there in our classroom. And I think that's perfect for all of the guidelines in place right now with students not sharing materials. So if you are in person in the classroom, this is a fantastic option for you. And then your students can take them home at the end of the year. And then that's less stuff for you to pack up for the summer. Like, ah, it's the best of both worlds. Now, I understand some of you may not be in person. I am going to be teaching online until the end of January. So what I'm going to be utilizing are virtual manipulatives. Here's what I love about virtual manipulatives. Number one, they don't take up space in your classroom. So it's reducing that clutter. They're also free. Now, I'm sure there are some paid ones. I don't use those. Okay. I use all free virtual manipulatives. So it's saving me money. I can if I am in the classroom, hopefully if we can go back in February, I can display them on my board with my projector, but my students can also access them at home on their own devices. So it's perfect whether you're in person or online. And what I love about some of these virtual manipulative websites, which I'm gonna share in just a second, okay? They have a wide range of manipulatives available. Rather than buying all of the materials to meet all of your different students' needs, if you use these virtual manipulatives, it's perfect for differentiation. Some of my favorite websites, number one, Toy Theater. Phenomenal virtual manipulatives. Love it. Toy Theater. The second one is Glencoe. G-L-E-N-C-O-E. Glencoe. Also great option for virtual manipulatives. The last one, I don't really know how to pronounce, uh, Didax, Didax, D-I-D-A-X. I would have said Didax. Didax, okay. Mm-hmm. D-I-D-A-X. So those are three options, Toy Theater, Glencoe, and Didax. We will link them for you down in the show notes. So the next one that we're going to jump into are going to be anchor charts. Oh my word, anchor charts. I feel like Anchor charts are so crazy expensive. I went to go out and just buy some anchor chart just to have over the summer, uh, just to do for some of my live lessons that I, I do on YouTube. Guys, like it was unbelievably expensive. I think I spent $40 on a whole tablet and it was like 30 something pages on there. Like so crazy expensive. They take up a lot of space and then we always have to kind of figure out like, when do we take them down? So on top of taking up all the room inside of your classroom, it's always that question of, all right, so have I given it enough time? Has my administration seen that I have these anchor charts up? So now is it okay for me to take these down? There's always that constant question of never really knowing what to do with them whenever they're gone. So you you almost feel bad for throwing these away because you spent so much money on the anchor charts in the first place. But anchor charts are really expensive. And then I think one of the biggest things that I have, it's like a love-hate relationship with them, is that I like the process of building the anchor charts with the students. However, I don't really feel like students really use them all the time. Um, So I try to come up with some different like creative items and we're going to kind of share a little bit of those in just a minute, but they don't really use them a lot. If, especially if you create them ahead of time or you don't reference them, I find that that's a really big one too. Like even if you create those anchor charts with your students, if you as a teacher are not referencing the anchor chart in the classroom, 
most likely your child, your students are not going to reference them. That's just the way it works. You have to model that process of thinking in order for your students to really follow through with it. So we're going to share a few different strategies that you can use to really simplify anchor charts. The first strategy is to actually have students create the anchor charts themselves instead of you doing it. I'm embarrassed to admit I did not do this until about my fourth year of teaching. And I look back and I think, what the heck was I doing those first three years? This has a few different benefits. Number one, it's going to save you time. I don't believe in making anchor charts ahead of time, which I mean, because it wastes your time. But second of all, it's not meaningful for the students. But sometimes making them in class with the students can be very time consuming. Whereas having the students do it, that can be part of their practice for the day. Or better yet, it can be used as an extension activity for those students who have mastered the skill. You know, the ones who take like 0.2 seconds to finish what you give them and you're like, uh, okay, what are you doing now? Have them create the anchor chart for the other students. The great thing is because they've mastered the skill, you know what they put on the anchor chart is going to be accurate because you definitely want to make sure your anchor charts are accurate. You don't want to have them with mistakes because that could be misleading for your students. Now we already mentioned anchor chart paper is expensive. Have your students create the anchor charts on those large pieces of construction paper I know personally, my school actually provides those or use legal size paper. That way it's bigger than like your standard size piece of paper, but it's not super expensive. Have the student demonstrate their knowledge of the skill. And then you could also even use this as a way to kind of guide research on a skill. I actually got this idea from Bridget. She said, well, sometimes like if we're starting something new, I will give them a list of things they need to include, like a definition and an example and they can actually put all of that onto the anchor chart. So they're discovering the information on their own and then they're just documenting it on that anchor chart. You know your students are gonna refer back to them because they were actually involved in the process of creating them. So it just becomes a lot more meaningful. So another thing that you can do is start creating your anchor charts digitally. I mean, think about how much money that's gonna end up saving you. It's fantastic. And then you don't have to store it. Total simplifying your life here. I love it. But I think because we are being pretty much being thrown into this world of just digital learning, um, this is a great time to really start utilizing those anchor charts a little bit more digitally. And so I know Michelle and I both will create these. We'll kind of create a template, whether it's on Google Slides or using a Google Doc. Um, for me, I end up saving them as like a PDF and then I'm able to kind of put it up into my learner management system. My students are then able to take that into Notability where they're able to write on it and add their examples, add images. You can even do this through Pic Collage, which is another really great um, application that's out there. And then students are really kind of able to make it their own. And that way they're able to utilize it a little bit later. I personally also really like to use something called um, Book Creator, where students are able to create like an anchor chart book, like a digital book, and they can place all of those PDFs, those images into Book Creator, and that way they have a place to be able to reference it. Or you can put this up in your learner management system. So for me, it's going to be Schoology, and then parents can really access these as well. So if you have a parent who really doesn't understand the concepts that you're teaching. Um, I put those videos up there. I put the anchor charts up there so that my families also have access to the material. And that way they can also support and help their kids at home. Um, another way of really being able to do this is that you can then take that digital version. If you really want to have some form of a printed version, you can print them small. Michelle, do you know the percentage that you print? Do you have that magical number in your head? I would almost say I think it's like 70% is what I'm thinking. 
Yes, but I was going to say if you print either directly from Google Slides or as a PDF, you have the option to put multiple pages. The two on one yep. page. Yep. I love it. And it fits perfectly in a composition notebook. Yeah. So then you can actually have your students go ahead and place it in that composition notebook. You can have it separated by the units in their notebook. So that way the kids know exactly where to look for that information. And then finally, if you really want to make sure that you do have students access it, I personally love, 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 love to print any sort of graphic organizer or anchor chart on as a poster size. And you can very easily do this through Adobe. Um, it allows you to print as a poster and typically I'm able to go from like 180 to like 200 of a percentage and it allows me to print it onto like four sheets of paper. I just put them together with some tape and bada bing bada boom. I have a large poster size of my anchor chart available. I hope everyone's mind is being blown right now because ours definitely are. <laughs> Moving on to that next category, let's talk about decor. I think a lot of us have that really bad habit of buying those cutesy things to add to our classrooms. And guess what? If that's not you, just go ahead, you know, skip forward. You don't have to listen to this, but I would be willing to bet at some point in your teaching career, you have bought something that was cute and you haven't ended up using it. Okay? Hey, Michelle. I, yes. Do you remember? I think this was before you very happily became my friend. But I had a classroom and the classroom was like a fantasy theme. And for some weird reason, I thought it would be okay to put vines and moss in my classroom. <laughs> what was I thinking? Literally, what is wrong with me? <laughs> I'm sure it was adorable though, but it was so dusty. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> the point is we will spend a lot of money on these decor items and then our classrooms are left feeling very junky, especially when the kids come in and they start bringing all of their stuff and you're just like, oh my goodness. So obviously one of the first strategies is to reduce your knickknacks. Okay. Knickknacks are those things that you're like, oh, it's cute, but it literally serves no purpose. So when you're walking around your classroom, looking at your stuff, or you're walking around the store, looking at stuff you want to buy, you need to ask yourself, does this serve a purpose? Let me give you a quick example. I remember my first year of teaching at the Target dollar spot, I purchased this ceramic pencil because it was a pencil and I'm a teacher. I had to have it. And <laughs> The reality is I was constantly paranoid about it getting knocked over and getting broken. And then one day I just went, what the heck am I doing? This little pencil serves zero purpose. Now, a different example would be a letter board. I think a letter board is something a lot of us purchase because it was cute, but it could serve a purpose. It kind of depends how you're using it. Maybe you're using it to display your weekly quote, or maybe you're using it to display your schedule. Like there is a way to have that serve a purpose. So we're not saying you can't buy any of the trendy, cute things, but if you are going to buy it, make sure it serves a purpose. And I also think that you almost have to have like a waiting period. I know for me, I am an impulsive buyer. So when I see something, I will like, oh, yes, I need it. And I will automatically buy it. But I feel like if I tell myself, okay, I really do like that, I will take a picture of it with my phone and then I'll wait. And if I wait like a week, two weeks, you come up with the time. Okay. I don't really care how long you end up waiting, but just wait. And if you still have that same burning desire to buy that thing, go get it. 
But if that, that, that desire, which a lot of the time actually goes away, surprisingly, if you don't really have that feeling anymore, then that just tells you that it really wasn't going to do anything for you in the first place. So I would have like a nice little waiting period there. So one of the things that we would actually recommend for you is to have your students really create the decor. Um, I know that this is absolutely so much more meaningful for your students. Um, they really enjoy the process of making the classroom something. And I have to be totally honest, like I feel as though when we allow our kids to be able to create that decor themselves, they have more of a feeling of community than anything else. Like they feel like they belong. They feel like it's their classroom because they spent the time to be able to create it into the space that it is. And let's just be really honest, everyone. Okay. I feel like every year I start the year and I'm like, man, my classroom is so neat. Like it's so tidy. Like everything has a place. There's, it's not cluttery. And why is it about a month into school? I'm like, why is my room so messy? Why in the world does it feel like there's so much clutter? It's because we don't really realize what it's going to look like when we have 26 kids in our room. It's like we forget that period. And it's like they just add all their stuff into it. It's like, so we need to start a lot simpler so that it doesn't look as chaotic once those sweet babies show up in our rooms. So let's talk about how you can actually simplify your decor or your classroom theme. I know some of us do have actual themes. Bridget mentioned like the fantasy and, you know, other people have just colors. Like that's what I do in my room. My theme is like black with pops of color. So one thing that I do in my classroom is, well, I'm going to actually tell you what I started with and then I'll tell you what I do now. I remember when I said, I'm going to have a double border on my bulletin boards. It's going to look adorable. I'm going to have a different color for each bulletin board and then I'm going to access it, accent it with white and it's just going to look so good. And it was the biggest pain in the butt. And it made my bulletin boards kind of too busy. Like it really distracted from the content that was being put on the bulletin board. So I ended up switching to literally... I have a black background, which I use felt on my bulletin boards. I have a plain white border, whatever the title of the bulletin board, I have that in white as well. And then my only pops of color come from my dry erase pockets. I use a ton of dry erase pockets on my bulletin boards because then I can easily slip in papers and things to change out with units. And I have the dry erase pockets in different colors. So that way it's simple. I still get that pop of color, but I'm not wasting time or money buying twice the amount of border that I need and then trying to hot glue them together and make sure they're straight. Like it was just a waste. I think for me, um, one of the biggest like transformations that I did in my room was to build in an accent wall. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I never really cared for accent walls back when I was younger. I felt like I, there was always like that orange wall. It was like a random orange wall in the classroom. And I'm like, why is that there? But now I love them. So I actually have my brick wall now. Um, and I love that brick wall. It is by far my favorite thing that I have ever done in that classroom. I love the feeling that it gives. But I, along with that brick wall, I have a huge word in the front of my classroom. And it's the word that I feel like I live by. And it's the word choice. And so everything really reflects that. And then everything else around, I really just kind of have my kids build it. And just like Michelle said, I have a black background or blue background, and then it just has the border itself. And it just makes it very simple. And the, fo the focus would always be on the content there. 
I love that you brought up accent walls because growing up in our living room, we had this one red wall. And I remember as a kid, I was always so confused. I'm like, why do we have this random red wall? And now I'm like, oh, it's an accent wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I have that random black wall <laughs> in <Yes>. my room. <laughs> I still love it because, you know, it's black. But I do too. Let's move on to our final category. Let's talk about those teacher materials. I think as teachers, and again, I'm generalizing here. Okay, this may not apply to you, but we tend to love like supplies, like school supplies. We were probably all those kids that got so excited for school supply shopping. I used to beg my mom. It was like, mom, can we go today? Can we go today? Like loved it. But the reality is the more of that stuff we buy, we then have to organize it. Whether it's in desk drawers, cabinets, that means we have to buy bins and that's going to cost more money. And then, you know, it's taking up space and it's just like, good golly, do we really need all of this? I'm going to give you one example. I had that phase, mostly my first year of teaching, where I wanted all of my curriculum stuff, all of my papers to be in binders. And Bridget's giving me a thumbs up and she's like, yep, that was me too. Well, then that meant I had to buy all of the binders. And of course, me being the way I am, I couldn't just hole punch the papers and put them in there. No, I had to get page protectors. Mm -hmm. So I bought thousands and thousands of page protectors. And then I spent so much time putting the papers into the page protectors, putting them in the binders, making the binder covers. And then wouldn't you know it, I never opened up those darn binders and looked at anything in them. I now just store all of my papers digitally so I can easily search in my Google Drive to find what I need and I can print it out or I can download it onto my computer if I want it on my hard drive. Like it's so much easier. And the funny thing is I recently in the past year or so decided, okay, I'm going to get rid of all these binders. They have been sitting in bins in my basement and I said, I don't need them. But I couldn't just throw them away. I had to save the binders and page protectors because I spent so much money on them. So then not only did I spend time in the beginning put a, putting all the papers in the page protectors, I spent a ton of time taking the papers out of the page protectors so I could save them. Like I was literally just sitting there going, Michelle, this is one of your biggest mistakes you've ever made. <laughs> well, I was about to say like, and you know, we can't buy just the cheap binders. Like we can't oh, no. do that. No, 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 no. You got to go to Staples or Office Max and you got to buy like the good heavy duty with the double lined on the inside so you can have two separate folders on the inside, po- like two pockets. Like there is no way that you can get out of that cheap. No way. Um. So moving on, can we just like really talk about the big elephant in the room when it comes to teachers? Planners? and notebooks. We have so many planners and notebooks that y'all it's like it is like the it's like that period in your like teaching career. It's typically at the very beginning of your teaching career where it's like you have that that 31 bag, you know, the one that opens up and it has like all the pockets all the way around. Right. And then as teachers. Yeah. uh And then as teachers, we have like three different planners because we have that lesson planner, but then we have our personal planner. And then we have like the health planner because we are all trying to really be healthy individuals, which it never works because we always have those parents who bring in all the candies and chocolates and you're like well there goes my diet (laughs) so we all we all have to admit it 
we have a problem when it comes to planners and notebooks and we have to have the really cute notebooks and then we have to have it match with everything like our theme of our classroom it's pretty darn ridiculous but i have to tell you like I think more than anything, and I probably have just become such a technology junkie that I have recognized the benefits of just going digital and having my notebooks, my meeting notes, my planners, everything digital. And it just is so much less stressful. I don't forget the things that I'm supposed to be taking to school or bringing back home because everything is in either my laptop or my iPad. And if I have those two things, then I know that I'm going to have everything that I could possibly need for teaching. So these digital versions really mean that you're just carrying less stuff back and forth. I feel like it really saves weight on your back. So if you have back problems, I highly recommend that you go digital. It is the best move that you will ever make. Yes, you are probably going to be spending a lot more at the very beginning, but let's be honest, you have totally spent that much money when it comes to like physical planners and notebooks. So when you think about it, it all pretty much evens out. Wouldn't you agree, Michelle? Oh, yeah, it definitely does. I mean, I'm thinking about how I have a drawer of just notebooks that haven't been used. And it's like, how much money did I spend on that? Yeah, absolutely. So here's what we recommend. We recommend that you use some version of like digital digital pieces. And so this might mean that you're using the iCloud. Guys, I love iCloud. I am an Apple geek all the way. Like I am a diehard Apple girl. OK, it's really, really sad. But I use iCloud for everything. So I keep all of my meeting notes within the notes app, which is really nice. So I can pull it up on my phone. I can pull it up on my laptop, on my iPad. And I know I constantly have access to it. Using Google Docs is completely free. So you have the option to be able to create a folder for your meeting notes, put all the PDFs in there, um, and then store anything, any sort of like, like written notes out on a Google Doc that you could just type up very easily. And I have to tell you guys, Michelle and I have this huge love for digital planners. Like we are all about it. So like if you still think, well, I just have to have like the writing, like you missed the writing. Lies. I feel you. Lies. What? Well, no, no, no. I mean, the people who say like, I just can't go digital. I, I know. My thought to that or what I would say to them is, but have you actually tried it? Because I, I personally just don't understand how you can try it and not love it. But I know where you're going with this, Bridget. I, I know some people want to physically write instead of typing. So Bridget, yes. lay it on them. Okay. So I will tell you, Apple Pencil is revolutionary. Like it is absolutely amazing. And guys, again, I'm telling you I'm an Apple geek and I am. I will tell you, you do not need to have an iPad Pro um, in order to have something that's compatible to the Apple Pencil. In fact, you can actually get, I think it's a um, 10 inch. It's just like a normal iPad, still has the home button. And that is now Apple compatible. You can also get the mini, which is Apple Pencil compatible. And it gives you that feeling of handwriting. Like you feel you still have that handwritten piece, but it's still all digital. And so you could have a digital planner and that still allows you to have access to it wherever you go. Bridget, can I tease them a little bit? I don't know. Do they deserve to be teased? I think so. <laughs> all right. Well, then. <laughs> I love you all. So I, I'm going to give you all a little tease. I mean, it's a good thing, but you're going to be like, oh, Michelle, come on. I, I, I want it now. Bridget and I have been working very, very hard 
on a combined digital planner because you all know Bridget has been doing digital planners for several years. She's the one that got me into digital planning. We are going to be combining forces and we are putting out together a teaching on the devil planner that literally, like I have tried a ton of digital planners. I've never been so excited about one as I am for this one. I truly feel like it is perfect and it includes so many of the things that we talk about in this podcast. Like there will be a page in the planner. I That's all I'm going to say for now. Okay. It's coming very soon. <sighs> okay. I just, I had to tell them I couldn't keep it in anymore. I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you said like combining forces, like two is so much better than just having one person do it. When you have multiple perspectives, like it's just, it, guys, it is going to knock your socks. Like if you were thinking that you really enjoyed my planner, my digital planner, um, when Michelle and I come together and really kind of combine the two different styles and we really have worked hard on collaborating and making this something that we think that is very simple it's timeless. Um, it's very professional and it's really going to help you in all areas of your life, not just in teaching. Um, we think that you will truly, truly enjoy this. So be on the lookout. We're so excited. I cannot wait for you guys to see it. I am stoked. Michelle is stoked. You should be stoked right now. So that planner will be available very soon. But to help tie you over, we do have three virtual workshops that are now available for a limited time. So those three virtual workshops are taking control of your time management, optimizing your organization, and becoming a productivity master. Each one is about a 30-minute workshop, but then we have some practices for you to put into place afterwards. So it'll take you a little bit longer to get through them. But these, if you like our podcast and you like the tips and the tricks and the strategies we give you, these are like our podcast on steroids. I probably shouldn't make the comparison to steroids, but you get the point. It's like beefed up even more. Now, for those of you who are truly top teachers, we have a bundle available for you that includes all three of them. But if you are somebody that just really wants to kind of focus on one area of your life, whether it be time management, organization, or productivity, you can purchase them separately or choose to be a top teacher and get all three of them in the bundle. Now, these are only going to be available for a limited time over on our website, teachingonthedouble.com. They are actually going to be available until Sunday, September 13th. So we encourage you to go ahead and purchase those now, get into the workshops and really start to kind of develop the life that you really want to start living. And while you're over on our website, go ahead and submit your TSH. We want to know, especially during this back to school season with all of the changes going on, what is really sucking your time? What are your time sucking hurdles? And we would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. I go on and check almost every single day to see if we have any new reviews and I screenshot them and I send them to Bridget. And I'm like, Bridget, look at this nice review. And we talk about it and we get so happy. It really helps our podcast be able to grow and get into the ears of more teachers. So if you have not already reviewed our podcast on iTunes, we would just love you so, so much if you would do that for us. We really would. So until next time, guys, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.